Welcome back to the Hockey House Podcast. It's great to have you this week. Episode 120 presented by Optimex Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy. As we bring you the latest news from around the ACHA and AAU college hockey, got a well-deserved bye week heading into Thanksgiving. Feels like we haven't talked in forever. Plenty news around the club hockey world to catch up on. We'll hop over to the boys, see how everyone's doing after Thanksgiving. Collins, was it good to be back home, see the family? It was really nice to be back home for the first time in a while got to see the dog grandparents and uncle came down had that that much much needed break did absolutely nothing and probably watched every single major college football game this weekend and almost every NFL game. So yeah, it was a good time. But now we are right back into the thick of it for the next two weeks, hardest two weeks of the year. So should be a good two weeks and uh, looking forward to the the next three games to wrap up the semester. You mentioned plenty of college football. I know one college football fan who is probably going to be smiling ear to ear when we bring it up, but a big win for Michigan, our Indiana friend who is a, a diehard Wolverine fan at heart. Fitzy, how's it going? I'm doing good, boys. Been kind of a tough week for me, honestly. Everyone getting to to go home for the holidays and Thanksgiving and whatnot and just seeing all that stuff on social media and then I'm out here just living the dream playing uh some hockey so it's it's definitely one of the uh the harder things that nobody really prepares you for or tells you about when you uh you want to pursue professional sports and go down that path I'm doing good hanging in there it's tough but I'm hanging in there you mentioned last time we talked that you guys had a game scheduled for Thanksgiving is that right we played Peoria at home on thanksgiving and then played them again the next night but i'm probably not going to get to go home for christmas either because we're playing like the 23rd and then the 26th so it's crazy it's something just a grueling season and i didn't even think about it but we, we talk about it a lot as, as acha and aau guys that you know that is something about club hockey that we do enjoy is that break that you get a lot of teams do get to go home for thanksgiving you get a really big break for christmas i saw a tiktok about the BU women's hockey team. They went to Nashville for a showcase. The team rented out an Airbnb and had all the families who were in Nashville get together and do a Thanksgiving dinner for the girls. You know, that is something that, you know, it, the pro hockey ranks and NCAA hockey that there really is no break. I was wondering, did you guys get the chance to put something together and do a team thing or was it kind of just business as usual? Pretty much just business. Booster Club had like a little Thanksgiving dinner for us. The Second game against Peoria, we ended up having like the Saturday and Sunday off there. So a couple guys uh, got after it that weekend. Nothing too special. Speaking of business as usual, the AHL season rolls on. So I know Herm was pretty busy this week as well. How are things up in Utica? Even though we were technically on break away from the office, I was still hard at work live tweeting the Comets game against the Crunch uh, from my living room in Bronxville with my family gathered around the TV. I think we're all really excited in the office for Utica City FC to start their season up. It's been a, it's been a fun training camp to watch those guys. We just had a, a big marquee signing. We're very excited to kick that off this weekend. Game tomorrow for the Comet. Plenty of action as the snow starts to come down here in central New York. Well, I think I'm going to bundle up my Thanksgiving and, and ship it down to Huntsville, Alabama, so Fitzy can enjoy it. Because I think, honestly, it was one of one of my favorite Thanksgivings I can remember in a long time. And maybe that's because like it feels like we're finally past like the weird Thanksgiving where we were doing like Zoom calls with relatives. It seems like everything was like back to normal. Had a really good plate on Thursday. You do dinner around 3.30, which was great. We got our TV fixed. If you've been coming to the Murphy Thanksgiving the last couple of years, the football games have been in Spanish. We don't know what it is, but the Spectrum guy came and fixed it a couple weeks ago. So it was nice to be able to have the TV on and 
not have to have it on mute. It, it was just a really good time. Got to go out, put together a skate Wednesday on Thanksgiving Eve. Me and a couple of my buddies played. It was nice to you know, have a younger group. And then we hit the bars afterwards to go catch up with all of our high school friends. Black Friday shopping. I live in you know tax-free New Hampshire, Settlers Green, the outlet shops. So we went and did that Friday. And then Saturday, we had our annual Kennett Hockey Alumni Classic, which you know, four or five years ago, the alumni group got together and said, you know, there's a lot of us now, instead of playing an an alumni game, let's do a tournament. So we do it like NHL draft style. We pick captains every year and then those captains do a draft. And unfortunately it's not live. That'd be pretty entertaining if it was a live draft, but was fortunate enough to get picked by my best friend, Connor Doucette. And he led us to a a championship. I had, I actually played forward. If you know me, I, I like to call myself the Ryan Whitney of the ACHA just snap tape tape passes on the breakout stay at home defenseman and do my job but I actually I got bumped up I played center was winning draws like it was my job had a couple goals and and we got the title so it was a really fun weekend it's great to be home great to see everybody Uh, next year I'm going to make sure I bottle that up and send it down to Huntsville so Fitzy can get a piece of it and or maybe Fitzy when you're all done playing pro hockey your first stop will be Thanksgiving in North Conway New Hampshire so we can we can make up for for all these years but it was a great time nonetheless to follow up an unbelievable trip in North Carolina. And I think when Herm came back from Frozen Finley, we talked a lot about this, but I'm going to make this statement. I think North Carolina is the capital of the club hockey world. It is of all the trips that we've done, and it was a bummer that Herm didn't get to come with us this time around, but he's experienced what goes on in Raleigh. To see it in Charlotte, to see it in Raleigh, these people get so into it. There's just so much school pride down there. You take the school pride and you balance that with what the Hurricanes have done the last couple of years. It is a hockey market, and they don't have the BUs, the BCs, the Quinnipiacs, the Minnesotas the North Dakotas, they don't have that kind of college hockey. So they're supporting the schools that they love. So we saw that on Friday night in Charlotte with App State and UNC Charlotte. I want to say the crowd was 50-50 App State. Honestly, probably like 30% App State fans, 30% Charlotte fans, and then 40% just hockey fans. You, I wish we had taken a photo of every jersey we saw in that building. I saw multiple South Carolina jerseys, which was awesome to see. Johnson and Wales jersey, which is wild, just an obscure D3 hockey jersey. There was plenty of Hurricanes jerseys, plenty of Tampa Bay Lightning jerseys, Nashville Predators. It was insane. And the only thing stopping that place on Friday night were the beer lines because from field level, and again, an outdoor game inside a ballpark at Truist Field, downtown Charlotte, unbelievable skyline in the background but from ice level it was like oh wow like this building's only half full and then in between periods i went to the concourse and i realized that a majority of the fans were actually watching from the concourse and so getting to see that was insane follow that up tim and i made the trek down to clemson south carolina on saturday and we got to see a huge upset in college football clemson beat ranked unc which was unbelievable and the tailgate scene there was crazy. It was nice to kind of have an off day. I, of course, was battling a stomach ache all day because that's just what happens to me on the road. Battled through. We made our way to Raleigh. We're treated to just another fantastic hockey game on Monday night between UNC Chapel Hill and NC State. That crowd was insane, too. Both schools had the bands there. Got to catch up with some longtime followers of the show. I caught up with some family friends from North Conway down there. It was a fever dream and it ended in the perfect way. NC State ties the game up late. The place is buzzing. Everybody's ready for overtime. And then UNC comes all the way down, 
responds with the goal of their own and then ices it with an empty netter. So just a really awesome trip. I kind of wanted to turn it over to you guys. I don't know if you, I'm sure you guys followed along. We, we did our best. We, we battled the Wi-Fi in, in both buildings, but just an unbelievable trip. North Carolina in particular just seems to be where the best buzz is in all of non-NCAA college hockey. And it's going to be marketing material for the ACCHL for years to come. I hope you know that, by the way. It was phenomenal. It was just like so cool to see. And again, I was just really taken aback by the school pride. You, you maybe add the Clemson trip into that too. Like, And the amount of people I talked to Clemson that knew they had a hockey team and like knew about the battles for the Palmetto Cup against uh, South Carolina. I was talking tailgating with a guy and he's like, oh, I'm from Concord, New Hampshire. My two sons played on the hockey team here. And I was like, well, wait until you find out what I'm doing down in, in Carolina right now. So it's a different kind of club hockey than we saw you know a couple weeks ago in Athens between Ohio and Syracuse it's different there's a lot more again I I keep saying there's a lot more pride in the schools there not that there's not pride between Syracuse and Ohio but Ohio hockey fans are there to see Ohio hockey the fans in Raleigh they're not there to cheer for UNC they're there to cheer against NC State and vice versa they're really passionate down there I I loved it and it was just it was a really cool environment to see definitely a bucket list item we got to get the whole crew down there next year to witness it because it was unbelievable should we get to some hockey news we've got pages and pages of hockey news particularly a lot of ACHA m1 but we'll start with some more m2 action pick things off from the trip to north carolina two teams that are going to be vying for some spots in regionals nc state and unc we got the list of where the regional tournaments will be held for acha m2 we'll kick things off in the west regional in north logan utah this one will be hosted by utah state university the aggies went to nationals last year they won the west regional this is going to be a great regional. I hope Utah State is in it and makes a deep run because they could have some huge home ice vantage. Heading to the East Coast in the Northeast Regional, Keene State will be the host in Keene, New Hampshire at the Keene Ice Arena. This one is exciting to me because it's kind of closing a chapter in Keene State's hockey history. They will have an NCAA Division Three team next year. I hope that their ACHA M2 team can close this chapter with a win at regionals on home ice. Again, they'll have an ACHA team on campus again next year, but this chapter of of Keene State hockey is coming to an end. I think what better way to go out than to win regionals on home ice. And Herm, I'm glad you're here. We weren't sure if you're going to join us for the first half of the show here, but Bird Arena is getting a bid to host the Southeast Regional. The Tri-State Collegiate Hockey League will be the host of this one. And I'm curious, Herm, we love Bird Arena. Don't get me wrong, but the functionality for Bird to host a big regional tournament, this is going to be a crazy one. My jaw hit the floor when I saw that Bird was going to host this. I could not believe it, truly. My main two takeaways from this is however many teams that are going to be there for regionals is going to make court street even more electric than usual that is going to be a dangerous dangerous scene secondly i'm hoping that there's enough crossover support from the ohio hockey fans that are typically used to supporting the men's one team there might be a collaborative effort on both sides to be like especially if ou winds up uh making it and and trying to go the distance to show up and support as best as possible ohio university my my favorite southeast school members of the southeastern conference 
But they are currently ranked number seven in the Southeast behind the Hoosiers. The Hoosiers are at one. Kentucky is at two. So if the season ended today, Indiana and Kentucky would get auto bids. Ohio would be in the mix because teams seeded three through 10 get bids to regionals. So I think that would be a pretty cool atmosphere at Bird if the Bobcats were to get into that one. Notable Southeast team, Penn State University as well, is number six. So... You got Miami at five too. battle at the bricks with regionals on the line. I mean, that, that could be a pretty crazy atmosphere. And then the last regional we'll head over to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Davenport will be the host of that one at the Patterson Ice Center. Like I mentioned, the top two seeds from each region get an auto bid to nationals. They don't have to go to regionals. Teams seeded three through 10 receive an invitation to the regional tournaments. And then seeds 11 through 14 are reserved for conference auto bids there is your m2 regional talk plenty of action though one series that stood out to me two weekends ago now was lawrence tech stunning dearborn and i i don't know if i was doing too much tire pumping for dearborn you got to call a spade a spade here and i think the rankings proved us wrong for once usually we're here critiquing the rankings felt like michigan dearborn wasn't getting a lot of respect in the rankings they jumped up as high as 13 i believe after a sweep against indiana tech but they have dropped after losing two in a row to lawrence tech they lost six nothing at home to the blue devils and then ltu got the sweep on home ice to close out the series with a 5-3 win in front of the band love seeing the bands at the games they saluted the band afterwards but A disappointing weekend for Michigan Dearborn heading into the break, but Lawrence Tech, again, maybe a chip on the shoulder after losing to Dearborn in Nationals last year, and they came up away with a huge weekend victory. Got to talk about the Chicago Classic. It came back again. Herm was there for the first iteration of this one. Some big weekends and some very disappointing weekends. We'll start with Ohio and Illinois State. Both of those teams went 3-0 and on the weekend. Ohio feels like the biggest winner from this weekend because they had the toughest schedule. Blue Line Boosters are going to be pretty proud of this one. 3-2 win over UNLV, 3-2 win over Arizona State, and a 5-2 win over Minot State to close out a very successful weekend for the Bobcats. There is a running meme that I send in the group chat, which is the David Herman Bobcat fan meter where you don't even need to check the final score of the game. You can just kind of look at that and be like, okay, how are they doing? How are they historically doing? For the first time this season, uh, we got seasons over and then Zamboni down Court Street. So one on the other side of the other, just as the barometer. And then for the first time this season, we were down below the green, directly pointed at the Zamboni down Court Street. Oh my God, what a huge weekend. For the Bobbies. Tim and I were giving them a hard time at the bar in Athens because they were like, yeah, we're a young team. We're still rebuilding. I was like, you guys are not rebuilding. You're one of the best teams in the country. You are not rebuilding. Every other team below you would kill to be in this situation. I I mentioned the Blue Line Boosters because I think there is a lot of pressure at Ohio to succeed given the resources that they have. Things just hadn't been clicking for them. And then to see this, like you got to imagine, I mean, Herm, Herm smiling ear to ear like this is the Ohio Bobcats that we expected in the offseason. Another team that went 3-0, we mentioned Illinois State, pretty much the the home team of this tournament. One of the few teams that didn't have to fly to this one. They actually took advantage 
of the the home mice, and they took down UNLV. You got to think UNLV was jet lagged. Illinois State went up three nothing in the first period, and they held on for a four three win over the Rebels. They took care of business the following day against URI with a three two win, and closed out the weekend with a four one win over Alabama. Those wins will be huge in the ranking for them, but the big key note from the weekend was Minot State and UNLV both going one and two. This was bound to happen given the schedules that one of these teams would go one and two. Herm, am I correct in guessing that you probably would have guessed Ohio goes two and one, maybe a UNLV or a Minot goes two and one, and then one of those teams goes one and two because they have to, but Minot falls to UNLV and Ohio, and then UNLV fell to Illinois State and Ohio. They kind of saved their bacon closing the weekend out with a win over Minot State because we talked about in the group chat, they went from potentially going 0-3 on the weekend to, well, they lost two games and then they beat the number one team in the country. So they saved their bacon on that end. Minot State drops their last two. So kind of a crazy weekend in Chicago, a really good tournament put on by Joe Caprio and Capper Hockey Services. I hope Hope this tradition continues. I think a lot of teams like it. I know the guys at URI were pumped because it's their longest road trip of the year. Chance for some of those East Coast teams to make the trip to the Midwest. And it's very tough for teams like Minot and UNLV and Ohio to get together. But to have some of the best teams in the ACHA in one spot kind of preps them for what you'll see down the road at nationals when you got to play three games in three days against three of the top teams in the country. So I'm sure those teams love that experience. But Again, wanted to make sure we gave Joe Caprio a shout out for putting on another great tournament. Seems to be all the talk in college sports these days, conference realignment, and it seems to have taken over the ACHA, in particular, ACHA Men's Division One in the last two weeks. And it's only fitting, two weeks ago on the last episode, we ended with 611 thoughts talking about a super conference and what that would look like. All rumors of a super conference have been shushed because we have plenty of teams jumping to new conferences and we will start with the biggest one of all. Minot State has announced that they will join the Midwest College Hockey Conference beginning in 2024-25. Minot State for the entirety of their program, Herm went and checked the Ohio hockey books to prove it. They have always been an independent since being in the ACHA. This will be the first time they join a conference. They will bring the MCH up to 10 teams beginning next season. Those 10 teams will split up into five divisions. In one division, we'll have the teams out west in the Dakota region. It'll be Jamestown, Umary, Midland, Minot, and Waldorf. And then in the MCH East, as I'm calling it for this purpose, it'll be Illinois, Illinois State, Iowa State, McKendry, and Northern Illinois. Those two teams, I'm guessing for schedule purposes, they'll they'll play each other and then to do a conference tournament will be pretty exciting. I know that was one reason Minot opted to join a conference for the opportunity to win a conference championship. As if they weren't already playing for a trophy at the end of the season, they'll have one more chance before heading to nationals. In other big news, San Diego State and Northern Arizona will join the Western Collegiate Hockey League beginning in 2024-25. That'll bring the league to 10 teams. Northern Arizona gets the call up to ACHA M1. They will join Drury, Northwood, and Saginaw Valley next season as the four new teams in ACHA M1. Because of the additions, the Western Collegiate Hockey League will also split up into divisions next year. They will have seven teams in the West, Arizona, Arizona State, 
GCU, UNLV, Northern Arizona, San Diego State, and Utah will be one division, and then the remaining five teams will be in one division, UCO, Colorado, Colorado State, Missouri State, and Oklahoma. That conference, which is already a pretty tough conference, adds two teams. We talked about San Diego State. They're having a really good year. It's going to be a lot of pressure on Northern Arizona to make the jump from ACHA M2 to M1 and be in one of the toughest conferences. We are getting to the really big news, which is Northwood and Saginaw Valley State are joining the Great Lakes Collegiate Hockey League. As that was being announced, Adrian, Calvin, Davenport, Grand Valley State, Purdue Northwest, and Roosevelt have pulled from the conference and they have started their own conference, which will be called the Great Lakes Six Hockey Conference, featuring Adrian, Calvin, Davenport, Grand Valley, Purdue Northwest, and Roosevelt. Five of those six teams are in the ACHA Top 20 right now. And that leaves the GLCHL a bit stranded with six teams featuring Eastern Michigan, Northwood, Oakland, Saginaw Valley, Toledo, and Western Michigan. So now, after knowing all that information, we'll turn it over to the 611 thoughts portion of the show. It seems like the rich are getting richer and the weak are getting weaker because the best teams have teamed up to form their own conference. The Great Lakes Six essentially taking the conference name and and playing elsewhere while the GLCHL remains, but with a much weaker schedule. Herm, you're familiar with a lot of these teams. Ohio remains an independent in all this, but what are your takeaways, especially after the conversation we had last episode about a Super League with these teams and the conference realignment? I think this is going to be a top two to three conference in the ACHA. It's got strength up and down. It gives me it gives me Eshel vibes in the sense that it feels like every single team is deep and has a legitimate shot of at least cracking the top 30 in the country, especially with Davenport's resurgence this season, especially with the fact that Roosevelt has the ability to bring in talent, given the fact that they're close to Chicago. I think it's significantly better talent for Adrian to consistently play against as well. And then it puts a team like Calvin on a much, much bigger stage. I think too, this rewards Purdue Northwest. They've had a year and a half in division one, and they've proven that they can play with the best. They've been in the rankings. I know Collins was asking before the show, like, why would they do this? But they essentially had two conferences within their conference, right? They had the very good teams at the top and the very bad teams at the bottom. Interesting to look at, you know, Roosevelt, formerly known as Robert Morris, was a very, a longtime powerhouse in the ACHA, routinely going to the Final Four and Nationals. Coaching change, school rebrands, and they haven't really been the same. I look at a school like Oakland, who is left on the outside looking in. They have not had many good years in recent memory, but they were once an ACHA power, and now they are on the outside looking in. I look at a school like Eastern Michigan, who almost has the same amount of resources as a school like Roosevelt. Roosevelt plays in the old Chicago Steel Arena, I believe, and has a very good locker room setup. Very good training setup. Eastern Michigan plays at the Cube, which is where the national development team used to play. They have a very good locker room setup. They just have not had things click in recent memory. Fitz, as a guy from Chicago, what would a school like Roosevelt need to do to kind of keep up with the rest of the pack and, like Herm said, maybe get more Chicago players to stay closer to home? Quick fun fact is their home rink is where I signed my uh, my first professional tryout contract uh, for Binghamton. 
It's definitely a, one of the better rinks uh, around the Chicago area. Depends on where you're living, but it's kind of not the easiest to get to. That could play into maybe somebody making a decision on, you know, wanting to, to go there or look at something like a, an Illinois state. They got all the amenities there. I, I've, I was looking at their social media the other day, Roosevelt, that is. It's not great. You know, I'm, I'm not some professional in that area i'll leave that to you guys but it looks like something i i could do so that's never good if, if i could pull it off and uh you guys have taught me I've, I've seen indiana do you know pretty much turn the program into a powerhouse just through having some really good social media editors and whatnot and being able to put out good content and getting visibility around the school because i don't think a lot of people know you know roosevelt even exists and then it used to be the robert morris of chicago so i think that would be a uh, a big thing they could focus on for sure I think that Chicago area thing is is got to be something that that league is probably looking at. I think it's it's funny too. Like Roosevelt has the the CSCHL logo still on the jerseys, so hopefully they can uh, they can get a new patch with this league and, and cover that up. But Collins, things haven't gotten crazy on the East Coast, but there are some rumblings on the East Coast about maybe some teams shuffling conferences, and we won't we won't unveil that. We'll just let them be rumors. But anything that you see on in this conference realignment that stands out to you? Like Herm said, this is really beneficial for a lot of these these big teams. It does provide a little bit more of a reason to stay competitive and then also uh, will further prep these teams for nationals. You kind of just put this thought in my head too, but that is that is a really big part of this is teams are learning more and more how key strength of schedule plays into the rankings. And if you can make sure your conference is very tough to play against you know a a team like adrian who has to go and play conference games against toledo and eastern michigan would much rather be playing non-conference games against ranked opponents so i think that definitely plays a huge factor this is i think could be the start of maybe the best way to put it is maybe an arms race of talent in these teams and we're going to see these schools exponentially get better as They try to beat each other. And we're also going to see some new rivalries form. Even more unbelievable hockey out of this league. Very, very good point. We'll move over to some rankings talk. Again, I feel like there was a lot of shuffling this past two weeks. So these rankings will probably change by the time that this podcast is dropping on Friday morning. We did have some big news. Adrian knocks Minot State out of the top spot after 20 consecutive weeks at number one in the ACHA Men's Division One rankings. Minot loses some big games in the Chicago Classic. Not only did they lose two in Chicago, but they dropped one on Monday night to Jamestown. That's now three in a row for the Beavers. I would expect them to probably drop again and see Jamestown move up because that's two wins for Jamestown this year against Minot. Ohio jumps from number 11 to number seven after a really big weekend. UNLV drops from four to six after two losses in Chicago. We see Dearborn fall from number 15 down to number 22 after getting swept. Iowa State falls from number 19 to number 24. Arizona drops from number 10 to number 19 with two losses in Chicago. And then Illinois State jumps from 25 to 15. One thing that stood out to me is Stony Brook clinging on for dear life at the number 25 spot. Four, seven, and one on the year for the Seawolves. Those four wins, two of them coming against Syracuse, one against Oswego, and you have to think the one win that is keeping them in the rankings is the victory over Niagara, and Niagara staying inside the top 10. Things to note in the ACHAM1 rankings, in 
Women's won. The top seven remains unchanged in back-to-back weeks. Liberty won, Midland two, Adrian three, Michigan four, McKendry five, Maryville six, and Arizona State seven. So plenty of consistency in the women's one rankings. We had our second edition of the ACHA M2 rankings released ahead of a busy schedule. UNH takes over the top spot in the Northeast, followed by Keene State at number two. Lindenwood takes over the top spot in the Central with St. Thomas at two. Indiana holds on to the top spot in the Southeast, followed by Kentucky. And then Montana State, they take over the top spot in the West, but they did drop one this weekend. Their first loss of the season, Grand Canyon hands the Bobcats a huge upset and a 5-2 win. GCU's captain getting the hat trick in this one in the Beehive Showcase in Utah. Another undefeated falling this past weekend heading into the Thanksgiving break. Couple of stick taps wanted to mention. Give a shout out to URI head coach Joe Augustine with a two nothing win over Northern Illinois, and you guessed it, the Chicago Classic. University of Rhode Island head coach Joe Augustine collected his seven hundred and eighth victory behind the bench for the Rams, breaking a school record for most wins as a coach. Augustine passes URI legend Frank Keeney, who coached football, baseball, basketball, track and cross country for the Rams from 1920 to 1948, a 75-year-old record being shattered by ACHA legend Joe Augustine. This record, of course, according to Frank Keeney's biography titled Keeney. Only in the ACHA do we get a 75-year-old record being broken. The source is the man who held the record, his autobiography. Just a testament to show how long Joe Augustine has been coaching, but 708 wins behind the bench, 709 after another victory over Alabama, but an ACHA legend. His source is literally just, just trust me, bro. Just trust me. Yeah, I was talking with uh, another ACHA legend, Ford Hatchet, and he said that he is going to write an autobiography and he is going to claim that he is the ACHA leader in assists so that someday he can be quoted in his autobiography for having a record. So anytime a record like that gets broken 75 years in the making, a huge shout out is deserved. Also wanted to give a, a stick tap to High Point Junior forward Jack Slayton. After losing his grandmother two weeks ago, J.R. Slayton scored the overtime winner for the Panthers just two days later on her birthday with four seconds remaining against UNC Wilmington. High Point getting the victory in overtime. Slayton scored the goal, pointed up to the sky, and we all know why. Just a very touching tribute to his grandmother and a very, very, very great weekend of college hockey taking us into the Thanksgiving break. Hammering a hot seat. I don't know. Did you guys have anyone on the hot seat this week? Again, I feel like I was like an old man ranting at the clouds last time we talked about the hot seat, and and there was nothing that was quite grinding my gears like it did leading up into the break. Did we talk about meat day? Since Minot State put out a graphic saying meet day instead of game day, they are now 0-3 on the season. We might have to put the design team on the hot seat for that one. Very thankful this week. Nothing to complain about. We'll get ready for our interview. And as always, this one brought to you by Optimex Sports. Optimex provides teams the opportunity to build and manage their own website. And the best part is they know club hockey. They played in the ACHA. They understand how AAU college hockey works. They know that you want your website looking as best as it can be so that when you tell people club hockey is college hockey you mean it so be sure to check them out using the link in our bio if you're interested in signing up use our referral link at optimexsports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod once again that is optimexsports.com slash sign up 
slash hockey house pod is the holiday season. And if your team isn't doing a team store right now, you need to get a hold of yourself because you can do that through Optum X Sports. Set it right up. If your team uses Jog, you can do a Jog team store right through your website. Be sure to check them out again. OptumXSports.com slash hockey house pod. We've got two guests on this week's episode. We're pleased to be joined by former University at Buffalo player and current assistant coach Will Stryker, joined alongside former Buffalo netminder and current ACHA head coach Morgan Von Hademan. Guys, welcome to the Hockey House Pod. Thanks for having us, Murph. Appreciate it. Yeah, super happy to be here. Excited. First coaching tandem on the pod. We've had plenty of coaches before, and you guys will be the first head coach and assistant coach to join the show. Curious, as a Syracuse guy, we've gone head to toe with with Buffalo over the last couple of years. You guys are in your second season behind the bench together. What are the expectations of the year? Are you guys kind of at a point where you thought you'd be at this point? It's been a great year so far, especially building off of last year. We had a really young team last year, and we were able to accomplish a lot. Come Coming into this year with the success of last year and a bunch of guys hungry to get back to nationals, it's it's really been fun. Every season's got its ups and downs, but for the most part, we're, we're enjoying the ride so far. Correct me if I'm wrong, first place in the national right now? I believe so, yeah, after beating RIT, yeah. As he said, like we got our young group this year, but the guys are buying in a lot more quickly and kind of figuring out, especially off of last season, how we played and how we ended up winning the playoff to get the nationals i think they kind of see the picture it has to be a full year it can't just be that three games at the end of the year yeah and and will we got to talk about i don't know if you expected to have frosted tips at this point in the season we want to address the elephant in the room here a lot of the guys were on me about it they kind of didn't understand the story behind it we're lucky enough to have a full uh, student-ran social media team um i'll shout them out ryan mia andrea and joanne they've just been doing a great job for us Morgan knows I'm kind of a gambling guy here. So I made a little bet with them while we were having some fun. Got the 250. I think it doubled up. You guys reposted on your story. Kind of knew I was done. So it's just a little fun with the boys. And a big thing like Morgan and I have been talking about, our guys pay about three grand in dues. And we're trying to find ways to kind of lower that number. So from my part, I've been working on some sponsorship deals. As you guys posted today, San Diego State having the brand on the helmet. We're kind of trying to explore ways to get our dues down. A big seller with the club hockey is the social media page are reaching audiences they can't reach. So kind of tried to boost a little bit there, ended up getting them. They're probably going to be around longer than a month, unfortunately. Uh, hairdresser told me three to five cuts until they're out. You guys might see them at nationals on the bench too. They might still be there. There we go. That love to see it. And, and you make a really good point. We'll, we'll touch on it in a bit here. You guys being younger guys who played, like you know how much that means too to be on the ice and have the social media covering. Like we like to talk about the rivalry with NCAA Division Three, and you look at some of these teams, and you know they've played six games on the season, and then they haven't posted since July. And, you know, as a player, like that kind of rubs you the wrong way. It, it does mean something to, you know, go on the ice and know that there's people following along on social media. And it's cool because we get a lot of, uh, we play with the alumni. So we have a, a men's league team now. It's almost all UV alumni. And it's cool to hear the guys kind of talk about, you know, our team now. And, you know, one of the big things that always comes up is, man, I really wish we had that social media presence when we were playing. This is so fun to watch. It's so fun to see uh, and stuff like that. So it's it's great to get back to the program in that sense, something that we never had. Let's talk about growing up, both Western New York guys. I've been to Buffalo a number of times and it, it seems like there's something in the water. Talk about like growing up in Western New York and Will, I'll throw it over to you first. Like, how'd you end up at UB? 
It's funny. So I grew up here. My parents are five to 10 minutes away from the main campus here uh, where most undergrad students take their courses. Played AAA uh, high school hockey here as well. Was lucky enough to get the junior out with my high school coach. He had a bunch of connections to set me up. When I graduated, UB wasn't even one of the schools I applied to. I applied to the schools I was talking to to play D3. Obviously, that was the goal. That's all I had in mind. Um, and my parents were like during juniors were like, hey, something comes up like and you can never play hockey again. What's the plan? I'm like, OK, so I go on the common app, I really have any money to my name. I'm like looking at schools that are free and I find UB. I'm like, OK, perfect backyard. Might as well apply it. Zero bucks, free admission, whatever. I ended up applying, had a couple camps with some junior teams and the coaches were like, we want you to age out. We know you're talking to this school. They want you when you're 21. We want you till you're 21. That's going to be the deal. And I kind of had in my head, I was like, I'll do one more year. My parents are kind of like, at some point, you got to go to school. So lucky enough, I called UB about July, thinking like, there's no way they're going to let me in, even though like I got accepted. They're like, oh no, like if you put your deposit down today, um, we'll take you in. You can register for your courses, all that. And I'm like, okay, perfect. Honestly, didn't even know UB had a club team to start. So I Googled UB hockey and got in contact with our assistant coach at the time, uh, Jer Kirsten. Um, he ended up taking up the program uh, my sophomore year. He was nice enough to get me on a tour there, uh, show me around. And then um, we had prospect camp in the summer. I was a little underwhelmed to start, to be honest with you, because they had none of the guys on the team really out. It was just all like, 40 kids from all over the area. There's a couple junior kids there like me. Obviously from there, like I had a good camp, so made the team. Let me tell you, I showed up the tryouts and the welcome to the hot shot moment that you like to talk about. I was like, what did I get myself into? This is actual hockey. Like there's guys there that should not even be playing club hockey, all that stuff. But no, it was awesome. As a kid growing up in Buffalo, like it's in your backyard. That's crazy to think like you didn't even know they had a team. I I feel like that shows how far the ACHA has really come in like the last decade. The thing was too, is they made the national tournament the year before I like came to school. I had no idea that they made it, how good they were. Lucky put in that situation and the cards just kind of felt perfectly in place. Morgan, for you, like what was your hockey journey like? Like pretty similar growing up and then all of a sudden it's time to pick a college and you know, you're looking at UB. Yeah, actually mine was a bit different. I never ended up going the junior route. So yeah, I'm from Buffalo. I played locally for a bit. I started a little bit later than most guys playing hockey. Had a little bit of a knack for it. Played some AAA in the area, played high school. And then during my high school years, I actually played out of a team out of Minnesota. I'm in Wisconsin for a bit. So I played out of there, did some showcases. And when it came time to decide between juniors and hockey, I had a few offers in main camps and stuff, but I decided I was smarter than I uh, smarter than I was good at hockey. So decided to uh, just go to UB because I ended up getting a pretty good uh, scholarships there. Just tried walking on the team and I was fortunate enough to make it and kind of enjoy my five year journey there. So a little bit different route ended in the same place. Did you have a, a welcome to the ACHA moment? I know it's a little bit different as a goalie because, you know, you, you get there as a freshman, you got to wait in line for your turn at the crease. But any moments that stood out to you early on? My first game was great. You know, it was it was kind of an eight round of a shootout. My real welcome to the Acha moment, I think it was my second or third game. We were playing away at Cornell and it must have been Greek night or something because there was three or four hundred students um, in the student section and they just sat behind my net all game. They followed me end to end. And these guys were brutal. They pulled up my Instagram. They found my girlfriend's Instagram. They found my parents' Instagram, everybody. And they just tore me apart. We went into a shootout that game too. 
So, I mean, it was just like four hours of torture for me. And these guys were ruthless. And I'm like, this isn't high school hockey anymore. I mean, we're playing good competition and there's actual fans at these games. So it's kind of a warm welcome by another another fan base. But uh, The whole family tree memorized by the end of the game, huh? Oh, dude, it was terrible. Yeah. And they, they, they waited for us as we were getting off the ice, too. It didn't stop. It wasn't even a you know, hey, thanks for being a good sport. It was just, they're brutal. It's one of those old barns where the stands just go up and you could have five people there and it sounds like you have 500. So the amount they had, it sounded like it was like a sold out crowd that night yeah. playing in front of. That's unbelievable. Being at Buffalo, you guys have been in the national for a while now. I feel like the landscape has changed since you guys first played, right? Syracuse used to be in the league. You had Cornell in the league. Cortland, I believe, was in the league too. And there's been a big shakeup. What's one thing that you guys have noticed over the years? Maybe some things that have been consistent. I know you got the, you know, RIT in Oswego have always been there. Niagara's right up the road. What are some things that you guys have kind of noticed over the years about ACHA hockey in Western New York. It's been interesting, um, especially to see some of the, what we consider more local teams, try to go out into different leagues. ACHA is very ranking based. It's all about who you play now. It's weird to watch some of those teams, you know, walk away and then see some of the teams like Cortland and Cornell kind of leave the ACHA Division One League altogether. Huge landscape change. It's nice to see some of the staples like us and, and us and Canisius keep that rivalry alive, but it kind of sucks to see some of those other schools that are just down the road, you know, go off and play in different leagues when they could be playing close to home rivalry games. And, you know, you look at the standings now and most of us, I mean, Niagara's doing an awesome job. They're up top 10 right now. But most of us are in the same ballpark as far as rankings go. I think the big thing, and I think you guys talk about it with uh, Villanova's league, it's like anyone can beat anyone at any night in our league. It just depends on who shows up and wants it more. And I mean, you can look at it as TCNJ beating Oswego. We dropped one to RIT two weekends ago. It's who shows up to play and wants it more and comes down to it. It doesn't matter what the skill level is. It's just kind of blue collar hockey our league is i would say there's a lot of skill too maybe that's something that if you look at the top 20 maybe there's a little more depth in the skill department but you almost got to weather the storm first period in Northtown because the buffalo is flying around the zone and there's a lot of skill and that happened to us last year when, when we played you guys in amherst we talk about the you know there's a lot of teams in your area did you guys at all get to travel when you guys were playing i did a lot unfortunately now just with budget and stuff we don't travel as much i got lucky enough we went out to colorado my freshman year for a whole week and we played minot who was number one colorado who was number nine and colorado state who was 23 i mean it was awesome to play a team like that let me tell you when you line up a kid that looks like he's your dad it's a little bit scary like that year we had a kid on our team who was our captain he was six four like he looked like a grown man. I've never seen him get knocked down and a not player knocks him down. I'm like, what did I get myself into? We still travel a good amount. It's just kind of more condensed down. Nothing crazy like that. We still get our fair amount of road trips. I think we got uh, for the rest of the season, we have Lehigh, we got Towson, obviously Oswego, we go to for league play. IUP is in there too. IUP. Yeah. We went out to Pittsburgh to play Duquesne. Um, and then, like, we traveled to Jersey to play uh, TCNJ before earlier in the season. You guys are doing a great job behind the bench now, but it wasn't too long ago we had NHL legend Grant Ledyard behind the bench for UB. What was it like playing for that guy, you know, 1,000-plus games in the NHL? Definitely a wealth of knowledge there. Um, and I'll let Stryker speak to it a little bit, too, because he was defenseman. It's really awesome to watch someone that's got so much talent behind the bench and just see how they approach the game and, and the differences between some of the coaches that you've had in the past, you know, 
10 years, 15 years of growing up, you know, the volunteers, the, the dads and versus an actual guy that played in the NHL and just what they can teach to you in those little moments. And every time you ask a question, there's unlimited knowledge behind that stuff. I remember Grant threw out a chirp to one of the coaches one day. He's like, I forgot more about hockey than you'll ever know. It's funny because it's true. And it's just, it's just another example of how much those guys know. We talk about like the big gap. Well, it's not even big anymore. Let's just say some of the kids, how they think the gap is between NCAA and our level. How many people can say that they have a guy that played that many games be their coach? I don't think you got a lot of people at any level that can say that. His knowledge of the game was incredible and to be able to learn from a guy like that my last two years of hockey helped me not only as a player like as a person and now like coaching kind of seeing the game through his eyes and he was very passionate and hard-nosed coach but like at the end of the day like as much as he was hard on you like he loved every single one of us and helped us out like my junior year when we made the push to win the league and make nationals I think it was like I think you were on the team Murph it probably was like your freshman year maybe right before you got in and we ended up blowing like a 4-1 game the Q's and I took a 10 minute penalty after you guys scored and I just remember after we lost he goes in the locker room and he just goes down the line of the upperclassmen just ripping us one by one and I th- was trying to look up the record for you guys. I think we lost one game the rest of the year after he stepped on and just pulled that in the locker room. Like he got us to buy in and that's the biggest thing we're kind of trying to do with our guys now. I only have one Grant Ledyard memory in my Syracuse hockey career. I know exactly where this is going. Grant's got a heck of a PR team because I think he had the Syracuse media team scrap this from the internet because, you know, Hockey House Pod was around back then. This would have had, you know, hundreds of thousands of clicks, but somebody on UB got a a spearing penalty but it was the linesman who called it and i guess there's a rule where if the linesman sees something worthy of misconduct he doesn't call it until the next whistle guy gets butt-ended in front of the net and the play goes on for like seven minutes and then they say like the whistle goes for an icing and then the the linesman goes to the referee and he says like, oh, you know, so-and-so butt-ended this player. You know, it's a five-minute major in a 10-minute misconduct or whatever. Grant's losing it on the bench because, you know, we, we went back and checked the film. You can barely see it, right? And so what happens, like, we scored a power play goal right from the jump. I was on the ice for this, so I don't really remember, but he just started chucking water bottles, sticks over the boards onto the ice, and then he got the boot. And, you know, at Tenity, he had to just basically walk around the perimeter. I, Morgan, I see you smiling. You must have remembered this one. This is actually where I made my coaching debut. I was sitting up in the stands. I was just just getting off an injury. I tore my groin like a month or two ago. Our assistant coach at the time sitting in the stands watching this happen. We're like, oh my God, what is going on? And all of a sudden my phone's ringing. I look at it and it's my assistant coach calling me. He's like, hey, I need you to come over here and help me run this thing. It's actually when I started making my coaching debut, well, unofficial coaching debut, was behind the bench running the defense for the, the second part of that game. Crazy night. It's unbelievable. All I have from that is one of our scratches got a Snapchat of like the guys on the ice, like picking up the water bottles that had been thrown onto the ice. If we had what we do now with this whole podcast operation, that would have been a, a viral clip instantly. Chicklets would have been all over it. We would have had we had a bunch of clicks there. So that that's my only memory from him. But I'm curious. I mean, you guys have seen it from the player perspective and now the coaching perspective. But how involved was he in the off ice operations of the team? 
I can only imagine that's got to be tough for like an NHL guy. You know, he's a very big tactical X's and O's, but how much did he understand about like the operations side of the club? So, so this is where I kind of got my actual start in coaching. I had pretty much been running the financials of the team since my sophomore year, but I had run the financials and all the background stuff for the program throughout that time and up until this day. So when he took over, he really didn't ask any questions about it. The only thing he was involved in was trying to get, you know, telling us who we wanted to schedule. Everything else he assumed was you know, business as usual, and he wanted buses for everything. And he just assumed it would get done. Didn't want to hear about any problems. It just, he just wanted it done. That's how I kind of stuck around after that. And that's part of the reason I'm still here. It's a crazy balance too, because, you know, I've been on the side too, when you're hiring coaches and, you know, they see the university name, they want to go coach there. You know, if you don't know club hockey, like you don't know what you're in for. And I think that is why if you look around the league, some of the most successful coaches in the ACHA are the guys who played in the ACHA. They understand what goes in on the back end of things. It's not just showing up to the rink and coaching and making sure the power play is ready. It's also, hey, is there a team meal before Friday night's game? Do we have a hotel for our game against Rutgers? I'm curious, like you guys got to have a million stories about that stuff. You know, even the last couple of years as coaches and even more so as players. Yeah, I'll jump on that point. Like I jumped on the staff about a year and a half ago now. I had no idea what, what went behind the scenes with this stuff. Like as a player, I'd show up probably first or second week of camp. My apparel's in, all that. We're good. Buses are scheduled, nothing to worry about. And then I jump on the staff with Morgan. Don't get me wrong. He does 99.9% of all the stuff that gets done. I get the 0.1% in where I help out. I'm more focused on the X's and O's. But let me tell you, I had no idea what the workload was like on the back end. It's crazy the amount as a staff and our e-board working, like the stuff we get done. The behind the scenes one that was the biggest thing that came up was probably my first road trip as a coach. And I think Morgan knows where I'm going with this. I think we were playing Robert Morris and this is my first road trip as a coach. I'm like all excited. Like, this is going to be awesome. Like we're going to have a great time. And we get on the bus. I think the school contacts us and go, Oh, your hotel has been canceled. And we've already went through three. So Morgan's up there with our e-board. They're looking at any place we can stay in Pittsburgh that is cheap, fits our budget and we can fit 25, 26 guys in the hotel. What they find for us is a Motel 8 or Super 8 or some stuff. Uh, you had to return your key cards. It smelled like the inside of a cigarette, bed bugs, stains that you don't even want to ask about. Safe to say some of our guys didn't sleep that night. Others maybe got two. I slept fully clothed, didn't even remove the bed sheets. And that was the welcome Acha moment as a coach right there, the behind the scenes where everything's not picture perfect. You're not at the five-star hotel. That's actually, you're missing a big part of that story. We actually had a hotel picked out weeks in advance and the school wanted to take over booking hotels for us. It was the first year ever they wanted to do it. Hey, we're going to book all your buses and hotels for you guys this year. Don't worry about it. You give us a schedule. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. That weekend, you know, we had our buses already done. So that was fine. Um, You know, we reach out Wednesday or whatever. We're like, hey, where are we staying for the, the hotel this weekend? They're like, oh, we actually fired the guy that does all that or fired or let go. I'm not sure. He was no longer with the group. And they're like, we never booked anything for you guys. You guys can't go. We're like, no. We're going to play hockey. That's not how this league works. They're like, okay, we'll find you something. They ended up finding us something. And then they realized that they could they didn't book that hotel either. So it was on the ride down. The school actually put us in the Super 8 
and it was next to one of those adult bookstores. Oh my God, it was just in the worst part of town. And our journalist wrote an article about it and it's, it's pretty bad. But yeah, that, that was the school's first and only time picking our hotel. And Will, I don't know if you sent it to me, but somebody, one of the, it could have been one of the boys too. They were like, you guys got to read this article. I, I know the guys before me at QC, they had a similar situation where they went down to Liberty and it was homecoming weekend, not a lot of hotels available. And they were talking about the same thing, like pulling the hood of your sweatshirt over your head and just going to bed with your socks tucked into your sweatpants and just just praying nothing crawls inside of you when you fall you asleep. come home and burn everything after that one, yeah. It's just, it's crazy too, because then you got to get on the bus and be like, okay, how do we beat Robert Morris's power play? Right? Like you got to, you got to flip that switch. I'm sure maybe you guys have mastered it at this point, right? How to, how to turn it off and on. We have, we're lucky that we have a really good group of guys and it's something that we focus on, especially in our recruiting is, is, you know, what kind of culture we're developing in the locker room. It's the same thing that we grew up with. And part of the reason our teams were so good back then is because we may not have been the best skilled team, but tell you what, we had the most fun in that locker room and the guys were so bought in that it didn't matter what was going on behind the scenes. A lot of the success at the end of last year, and even that weekend, we lost the first game to Robert Morris, and then we went out and beat him the second night after sleeping in that hotel. It's because the guys kind of wore that you know, on their on their their sleeves there and said, you know what? I don't care what the odds are. I don't care what's going on. Let's go win a hockey game. You know, everything's stacked against us. And that's something that you love to see in a locker room and out of the guys. And it's something that I'm so proud of, of what they're doing, you know, on our captains and the rest of the guys that they're just running with that. I can only imagine that bus ride home after getting the, the W and after sleeping with bed bugs. Yeah, I had some questions about that one. Lots of people in the front of the bus saying, hey, uh, what, what happened this weekend? I'm like, oh, we'll talk about that on Tuesday at practice. You guys had kind of like a, a Cinderella story last year. Like, you know, you look across at warmups and I think it was, you know, closer to the end of the first semester and guys are still wearing their shells from U18s and we got mismatching gloves. And I'm like, I'm like, we're going to put six goals on this team and then sure enough we're down five to one in the first period i'm like these kids from western new york i don't know will morgan what you guys are telling them but you're convincing them to stay home and, and play at ub these triple a kids and they're skating circles around me i know the the white jerseys came in now you guys got the two sets everybody's matching again and then you go on this this run in the national tournament and ended up going to nationals but was that just kind of how the season went because from the outside that's what it looked like it looked like everything just finally clicked for you guys you know, it was a real tough year. Um, the school cracked down on a lot of financial stuff, apparel and licensing of logos and, and how we actually did things. And the stuff we ordered every single year, they actually put the hold on until January to get stuff ordered. And when they finally you know, clicked go, I mean, everybody's waiting in line at that point. So we were another couple months out. Again, goes back to like the culture we had and like the guys just willing to buy in. Yeah, it was really nice when that stuff started coming in and the guys, you know, pulled together. We took a team of, it was 19 rookies that year. We had six returners. Yeah, because we had 17 true freshmen. To do that with that many young guys last year, it was, a lot of people say it was a Cinderella story. In a lot of ways it was, but it, it just shows that, you know, when guys want to buy in and work together, it, it's really something special. And that's what makes this league so awesome. That's one thing I did want to ask you guys about, because you're on the younger side when it comes to coaching. You're, you're almost like fresh off of your collegiate careers, which isn't that uncommon in the ACHA 
because like we talked about, you know, you're so invested, you know what it takes to run the program as a student. It almost makes for an easy transition. Was it almost easier coaching a team with such young guys because, you know, you didn't have that crossover where you played with them? Or is that something you've kind of mastered at this point is that you used to play with guys and now you're the head coach of them? You know, what's that like? It was tough at the beginning, especially my first year taking over the program because Grant ended up stepping down about halfway through that year. I had just played with those guys six months ago. A lot of those guys were a lot of my good friends and they were able to listen to me and respect me a little bit on some of the stuff. Yeah, we'd get back and, you know, after the games, they definitely, you know, give me a piece of their mind about some of the things I said maybe to them. But during the game, they were pretty respectful about it. Um, and it can go one or two ways pretty quick. It's hard when you know the guys. Uh, I know a lot of people are, are kind of put off by it. I think Stryker could probably speak to this as an assistant coach. It's probably a little bit easier because you can be buddies with them. But in the head coach position and, you know, when you're taking charge of the bench, you know, there are no friends you know you're, you're there to win hockey games and guys aren't doing the right thing whether you're buddy or not you have to sit them i had to sit one of my best friends in oswego for two periods for some discipline stuff and i mean he was so pissed at me and i'm like i, I don't know what to do <laughs> but you get, left me no choice man yeah striker uh, just looks at the kid and he's like yeah morgan's being a prick today right yeah that's how it's gone like three or four times this year for my part it's a lot easier i tell morgan it's always good cop bad cop he's always going to be the good cop i'm going to be the good cop it's great for me i don't yell and scream i leave that up to him for the most part i was lucky enough i was removed from the program long enough where i didn't have any kids i played with so that's not a problem for me my problem more comes up is that our uh, assistant captain anthony trujillo i grew up he's from the same high school as me so i grew up coaching him after i graduated i helped out with uh, high school camp so i've known him since he was probably like 12 years old so he's kind of one of the guys that is on me a little bit more than the rest of them but um as morgan said we got a really gr good group of kids they're bought in and i think that's the biggest thing with our program is the culture like he says uh getting it back to where we played and even better morgan i gotta ask because we, we skipped over it a little bit but you know looking at elite prospects and you have two games played in your graduate year this is the 2020-21 season. You guys tried to get a, a national title, right? How did that end up happening? It was late January. Restrictions are getting lifted. Like, you guys must have just been itching to play. You know what? I, and this was, again, stemmed from me running the team that year. It was I had heard through the grapevine at UB that they were going to allow club sports to, to do some stuff, play games under certain restrictions. And as soon as I heard that, I started getting all the paperwork going. I'm like, this is my last year. I just bought a full set of custom pads for my final year, like pre-ordered it before COVID even happened. You know, I'm like, oh, I got to wear these at least once with the jersey. I can't order these things, have them sitting here and never wear them. Um, I ended up reaching out to Kanisha, some of the guys I knew there, and they said, hey, yeah, we're getting going too. You know, let's get a couple games. And we ended up playing three games that year, both qualified for the national tournament. I don't know how that worked, but it was wild that we were even able to play that year. I was so thankful that I was get, able to get a couple games in, but it was weird. We then never ended up doing any, you know, any CHL championship or anything like that, kind of vetoed by the league, probably for good reasons. But or the the trophy actually has got a plaque on it for that season that says COVID. I know Canisius ended up going down to Maryville for nationals. Did you guys make the trip too? We were supposed to. And then when I sat in with the university, um, I got two or three people up the chain of command before my hopes and dreams were squashed. And they told me to basically go pound salt. So uh, yeah, we didn't end up going at all. We weren't allowed to travel outside of the state or 
outside of the county, actually. Yeah, that's what we ran into at Syracuse. I think they said we couldn't travel uh, more than 100 miles for a game. And it was like, well, Oswego's not playing and RIT's not playing. So I guess we're not playing either. So, (laughs) I mean, you guys lucked out. Canisius right in your backyard. You talk about that rivalry a a little bit, mentioned it beforehand. You guys have a handful of Western New York guys on the team. Is there a a pitch for UB opposed to maybe some of the other schools in Western New York at, at the ACHA level? The tuition is the biggest seller our big thing like if you look at our roster our whole rosters from new york you do try to expand a little bit it's just tough trying to get out-of-state players in for forty fifty thousand dollars a year for the local guys to go for 12 grand and the kids that come from juniors they'll live off campus right away instead of dorming you can't beat it niagara and canisius are about i think Forty thousand with dorming. That's one of my big pitches. And us being a public school compared to private, we got a lot more to offer academically than some of those private schools do. Where you can kind of go into whatever you want academically. So that's a big pitch we have with the kids. The tuition's the big one. You know, the SUNY tuition you can't beat. Being close to home, and we're so fortunate. You know, to have that premier hockey in Western New York, where guys are you know looking to stay home, or guys you know are looking to come back home that played great hockey here, maybe played somewhere else in the country or up in Canada. They're coming back home for a bit. They want to go to college. Hey, UB is a great place. Um, as long as you can get in, you know, we got some pretty strict uh, GPA requirements, but um, other than that, it's, it's fantastic. And it, it makes, well, Stryker does most of my recruiting now, but uh, yeah, that's the big one. 4am bar close too. It's pretty easy. Let's get a <laughs> there 18 to 21 year old. There kid. it is. 21 plus striker 21 plus come on there we go i've enjoyed a couple nights out in buffalo we me and a couple of my buddies we made the trip out for devin levi's first start and we uh we hit the town afterwards my brother was actually playing uh u16 nationals were were in amherst last year for his team as well and so i mean that's another point right i mean you guys have a rink that's off campus that's practically on campus i'm sure that's a big selling point as well plus having our own locker room in that rink really helps as well something that not every team especially in our area has to offer i know niagara just got their own locker room but i know kenesha still doesn't have one somewhere we can put our gear and you know makes those 6 a.m practices a little bit more bearable you're not lugging your stuff into the rink at five o'clock you can just actually show up your stuff's warm it's not frozen it's nice and dry also, I'll give a shout out to our equipment manager, Josh. I think he'd kill oh, yeah. us if we didn't say it, but we took on a professional equipment manager from the Buttes this year since they folded, and he's been awesome for our guys with skate sharpening, stitching, anything they need. He's almost at every practice for us. Like It's been great. Um, like Side stuff that other teams don't have, that's been a big thing that we get to tell kids to try to kind of pitch the idea of staying home and maybe not going away to play somewhere else. You mentioned the, the locker room at the rink. I think I would need a GPS to find that thing because every time I've ever played there, you guys are like marching all around the concourse and through the lobby. Like, where is that thing? So it's actually behind rink one. Um, if you're looking for it, you can't miss it. But if you have no idea it's there, you'll never see it. There's a big UV painted on the door. It's behind rink one in the very back. So we actually have to walk in front of all of the stands in rink one through the lobby and out that front door. So it's a good like two and a half minute, two minute walk from from door to door been many a days we've been a minute or two late on the ice because of it pretty well hidden back there kind of nice but no one's you know stopping outside of our locker room we don't have to worry about a lot of things back there but uh would be nice to be nice and close to the door so one thing too that ub has been known for and i know um it didn't happen this year i'm curious if you guys have any inside information but the buffalo meltdown has always been a big tournament in Western New York with ACHA schools from across the country convening in Buffalo for the weekend. Is there any talks about bringing that one back? 
it, we've talked about it a few times. Uh, it's tough because it it falls on you know us and Canisius have been hosting hosting it a bunch with the prices of everything these days. I mean, ice costs are going up, refs went up a you know considerable amount in the last two years. Um, we have to provide trainers, and you know our school provides those, but we still have to pay for them. Those aren't cheap; those are four hundred bucks a game. It wasn't feasible at that time because we weren't getting the talent that we used to get, um, especially with that new tournament that just popped up. I think it's in Chicago now. I mean, you look at what's going on down there. They have some of the, you know, the top 10, you know, top 20 teams all going down there. If you're going to go to a tournament, yeah, that's, that's, that's a high draw. We're talking about bringing it back. You know, it's something I think Oregon was, was looking to come back and, and play with us. Um, and a few other teams. I know we had San Diego two years ago come and fly in for that one too. That was pretty cool. So we're still getting a pretty good draw and there's a lot of teams interested in it. I think it's more just a feasibility with the costs and everything. A key part, and I know for teams like, you know, Western Michigan or Villanova, like everybody likes to do a trip, right? Like teams want something to look forward to. And I think for especially some of those lower budget teams who maybe can't afford to go to a Chicago for a week, you know, and the the prices of those hotels, like, you know, you get an outdoor game at the the Harbor Center, right? And uh, so I I know teams love doing that. So, yeah, maybe a a couple of years without it and then people appreciate it a little bit more and we'll get some some demand for that in the future. Yeah, the outdoor games were always great. I mean, they were so much fun. Our outdoor game against Mercyhurst coming up this Friday. I mean, it's something that, you know, we talk about to like prospects and recruits and stuff. It's like, yeah, we always play an outdoor game a year. And they're like, oh, my God, you guys play an outdoor game. And, you know, the guys are always looking forward to it all year. So, you know, you'd think that would help with the draw, too. Striker, I'm curious, you know, you you got to win two titles as a player. The run that they went on last year, like, what are some things that you remember from, from all those titles? There's just a buy-in with the guys. Uh, Nationals was awesome, obviously. Unfortunately, didn't take care of business even winning a game there. Uh, it's tough when you're junior year, you play your worst game at Nationals. And we played Davenport twice before we played them the third time in Nationals. Lost 5-4 back-to-back. We drop our worst game all year and lose 8-1. But just the experience and see how good the level is from all over. Because you see teams that you don't get to play against just because geographic. I remember like UNLV practice before us before our practice slot and we're standing on the bench watching them. And it's like, holy shit, these guys are good. Like a lot of those guys are NCAA division one commits if they played another year of juniors or easy D three guys, but they're going to school because it's UNLV. They play at Vegas's practice rink and all that. For us, like my senior year, unfortunately nationals lined up with our spring break trip. So you can't sit on a beach you're stuck in Dallas playing hockey it's not as bad as it sounds but like being with the guys one last time for one last go was great I think the funniest part about the last trip that I can actually tell on this podcast <laughs> is uh we flew out on Southwest so cheap you get the check two bags for free so like everyone the rookies got the stick bags and doubled up and all the seniors like you just got your bag and like it's whatever you can check something my roommate's dad is a golf pro made a call down to dallas and was like hey i got a couple of guys coming down um i'm gonna give you a call the day of for a tea time and our coach has no idea about this and they're just trying to plan it out because like we convinced our coach we're like once we get eliminated like we got the budget to stay a couple extra days it's our spring break he's like yeah sure whatever blah blah parents are just dropping us off at the airport and these three guys pull up hockey bags slung over their shoulder pulling in their golf carry-on bag and i just remember grant and our head coach at the time jr standing there like what the hell are these kids doing and jr walks up to the one kid he goes what's in that bag and the kid goes oh it's my guitar i'm going down to play it for the boys on the road 
So these kids check their golf bags. We get eliminated. Their dad makes a call down the day after, and these kids are on the course playing a full 18 the day after we got eliminated from nationals. That'd be like an, an NHL player if he was caught in the first round of the playoffs with his golf clubs. The, the internet would be memeing him to death. We had an interesting group of guys. Like it was a great mixture of fun while taking it seriously. And like that's a big pitch of playing club hockey. Like you get all three aspects of the college life. You get the academics, you get the hockey, and you get to have a little more fun than the NCAA guys do. As long as you're ready to play, as Ryan Reeves says, if you can't play hungover, you can't, shouldn't play in the league. This has been great catching up with you guys. And we got to talk about arguably the greatest club hockey story of all time is Syracuse versus Buffalo with no scoreboard. Stryker's laughing because he's got a bone to pick already. So I, I want to tell my side of the story, but I'm curious from a coach's perspective because, you know, I was fortunate enough to play for Coach Timmons for two years. You know, he was a former ACHA guy at Oswego, made the transition. You know, he's seen it all behind the bench as well. And there's just nothing worse than showing up to the rink and having the rink staff tell you there's no scoreboard for your game tonight. That was a nice little surprise to walk into that day. Um, I wasn't really aware that that was going on. And I had I had two or three scratches on the bench with me with their stopwatches out on their phones, keeping track of penalties for me because I was losing my mind that game. I do want to hear your perspective of it. All I remember is we did not deserve that game in any fashion. You guys dominated us the whole game. Our goalie stood on his head, oh but we, God, just, about we just stuck in it enough to get there. I think it's like as Acha as Acha can get, somehow someone scores with the time being, well, it's you. I know it's you. You score, and somehow (laughs) the time is whatever it was. Like I was looking at the clock. I'm like, oh, my God, they're actually going to put this in the net, and no one's going to have any idea because no one's watching the clock. No refs looking at the clock. They're watching the puck. There's no whistle. And like I'm trying to like keep both eyes on the puck and you scoring and the clock. And like obviously we gotta try this out. There's no review. I think it was a goal. As a coach, do I wanna say it's a goal? No. But I, I'd love to hear your side of it and like the guys on your team as well, because we just didn't get any explanation, obviously, as it is. You know, being second class citizens at Syracuse, we have the varsity women's hockey team who, you know, they have the locker room, they have everything. We actually we played the third period of our our game earlier in the year against Drexel we went out onto the ice for the third period and the scoreboard just didn't turn back on so they had like a mini soccer scoreboard ready to go which I guess is what they would do in men's league whenever the scoreboard wouldn't turn on so they knew this was an issue scoreboard had been ordered nice new jumbotron it was there when you guys were there you got to see the nice scoreboard just wasn't working yet within 24 hours notice they basically were like hey we're gonna hook up a laptop with an hdmi cord it's gonna project a scoreboard up in the press box and we're gonna make it work that's what we did and honestly it wasn't like too crazy i mean morgan you you probably had it harder than anybody else because you know as a coach you want to know how much time is left i think for the guys playing it was kind of like pond hockey right like let's just go like you know the object of the game right like just go play and don't worry about it and of course it, it didn't play a factor until overtime i thought the reason people were arguing it was no goal was because of goalie interference because i kind of get like pushed into the crease and so the whole time i have no idea how close to the buzzer this whole thing was until we get into the locker room because the guys were laughing because our pa guy was on the mic and he was like enunciating the buzzer he was like, eh. so they were trying to figure out if he said that fast enough for the goal to count. And afterwards, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea that that's why people are arguing the goal. But funny story, I went to the, the Syracuse crunch game that night 
and I was in the concourse and somebody saw me wearing my Syracuse hockey jacket and they say, oh, do you play for Syracuse? And I was like, yeah, I, I play on the, the ACHA team. He goes, no way. I was at the game today. He goes, my nephew plays for Buffalo. No way that goal should have counted in overtime. And I'm smiling ear to ear. I, I didn't have the heart to t- tell the guy that I was the one who had scored the, the one at the buzzer, but it was so funny just running into somebody that night and they were already giving me a hard time about it. I think I remember getting on the bus and I think you guys had the live stream still up and I'm like scrolling through my phone, like trying to zoom in in the time. And as the puck goes in, not like it's going to change anything, but I got to see it for myself if it really went in because we'd never know. But then the ad insult the injury, the hockey house pod, you get probably one of the sickest hockey pictures you've probably ever had. And that gets posted. It's the first picture on the account that I pull up like on a Monday or Tuesday. I'm just like, okay, maybe I forgot about a little. And then I just see your face with the whole bench clearing out behind you. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to forget about this for a while. You guys know the power of social media, like that photo will be used for recruiting for many, many years to come. So, and the, and the funniest thing too, is right. Like, ACHA overtime and shootouts it goes in as a tie in the rankings anyways right so we we could sit here and, and debate it all year long so that's my biggest ACHA story like I I lived it firsthand so I'm glad you guys were there to to witness it and somebody can give me a hard time about it someone's got to right of course well you usually I end too and let you guys give the pitch for UB but I mean you guys have lived it you know, almost the last 10 years, right? You know, as players and now coaches, what's kind of like the goal for the rest of the year? You know, you mentioned you got off to a good start. You got the frosted tips going striker. So like maybe that rides for a couple more months, but like what's the rest of the year look like? From my point of view, it's a lot of good conversations that I've had with the guys off the ice is what really excites me for the rest of the years. Uh, guys are really asking, hey, what can I do to step up my game going in the next semester with only two weekends left? You know, what do you need from me? What do we have to do to win that game at Nationals this year? We want to win the first game for UB at Nationals. That seems to be the goal for this year. Um, anything less than that is, you know, I know the guys are going to be disappointed. We're going to be disappointed in it. To see the level you know, or how bad these guys want it in the locker room. And that's their goal this year is to do that. They're setting the bar high enough for themselves that, you know, we don't even have to go in and set that bar for them, you know, give them those expectations. Yeah, we have our own expectations of, you know, where we want to be wins wise or ranking wise. But, you know, if they go out and do that, fulfill their goals, we're going to be really, or at least I'm going to be pretty happy. I remember after we won last year, obviously, like it's unexpected. No one expected us to win. And I walked in the locker room and was shaking every guy's hand. And our leading scorer, who's a freshman, looks at me and goes, how many wins did you guys have when you guys went to Nationals that year in the league? I was like, we didn't lose. And he looks at me and goes, I'm a freshman. I won my first before you did. Our goal is now to go back to back to back to back. I'm going to make it all four years. So the younger group with their mentality is they want to beat out my class that graduated, the only team that's gone the two nationals back to back. And the culture, as Morgan said, these guys really want it. And they know that winning the league and getting there is the way to do it. So I think we have a tough schedule in front of us, um, especially with us. We go being in our league. They're a very good team, very skilled, very fast. Um, it's going to make out for a good playoffs, I think. The other teams hanging around too, like Canisius and RIT as well. When you got a tough weekend ahead, I'm looking at the schedule now, a three and three against Mercyhurst. Are we going to have uh, plenty of orange slices for the boys between games here to get the legs going? Yeah, I'm going to be stocking up tomorrow on the uh, the peanut butter and jellies, get a few loaves of bread, some bananas, and uh, definitely stock up on the mustard package for this weekend to hopefully get rid of the cramps. So Awesome. Well, hey, thank you guys for joining, and uh, good luck the rest of the way. 
Thank you. Thank you for having us. We appreciate everything you guys do for club hockey. Morgan and I both say like we wish we had this when we played, but it's awesome uh, to keep up with you guys with everything you do for us. Yeah, thank you so much. It was, it was really fun being on today. Once again, that interview was brought to you by Optum X Sports the holiday season. Make sure your team is gearing up with a team store with Optum X. Got some burgers. Hopefully no one is having burgers at Thanksgiving dinner. Mac and cheese is acceptable. We've a little bit better food in, into the holidays. I think, I mean, I for one had, had a great Thanksgiving. I got to venture into the cranberry sauce. I feel like people are, are hyping up cranberry sauce recently. It seems to be uh, be putting on a good push on social media. I think cranberry sauce is a good PR team. That's what I'm saying. We're talking about burgers, not Thanksgiving food. And we had plenty of burgers leading up to the break. UCLA defeated USC 12 to nothing. That was the biggest burger, a classic Big Ten matchup. UCLA off to a great start this season. I think USC is just struggling to put the pieces together on the ice. We talked about it already, but the mismatches in the Great Lakes Conference, Calvin 11, Eastern Michigan nothing, St. Thomas 11, Minnesota Duluth nothing in ACHA M2 action. The biggest blowouts of the week. Now moving along to our games to watch. Got some exciting ones this week. And and this seems like, and Collins, I don't know like what you guys have going at Nova, but I feel like at Cuse, we always just had one weekend matchup after Thanksgiving. And then it was like getting ready for finals week. Is that what you guys are doing? Yeah, we have one game this weekend against TCNJ. And then we have a home and home with Westchester, then it's finals week. I always think that's nice too. Part of the, the club game is, you know, you don't have the resources that maybe NCAA teams have. So ha- having time off to get ready for finals and, and, you know, end the semester on a strong note is always good. But we got some teams that are wrapping up the semester. We start with the games to watch. Tampa is making the trip up north to Western New York. They will take on St. Bonaventure in a battle between number one in AAU versus number four in AAU. The Bonnies have not lost yet this season. Tampa is heading north looking to spoil the party. Thursday night, we have a huge matchup between the top two teams in women's ACHA. Number two, Midland, taking on Liberty University. The Warriors will be the host in that one as Liberty makes the trip to the Midwest. Saturday, we have you, Mary, taking on Jamestown, hosting the Jimmies for the first time in an ACHA M1 matchup. Should be an exciting one from Starian Sports Complex. Friday night, it is the battle for the Edge University of Central Oklahoma taking on University of Oklahoma. The two teams share a rink. This one will be a packed house and I'm sure an electric atmosphere as always. Another in-state matchup we're looking forward to is Friday night. Colorado State taking on University of Colorado. This one from the Adora Pool Ice Center as the CSU Rams will host in-state rival Colorado. Friday night, Florida Gulf Coast, they will host Liberty in a battle between number four and number three in the Southeast ACHA M2. And then another huge battle in M3 Friday night, Mizzou taking on Missouri State at the Washington Park Ice Arena. Big one for Mizzou hosting the Bears who make the trip to Missouri. Friday night, Binghamton hosting Cornell. This is a top matchup in AAU Division One, And then another Friday night matchup, Liberty hosting Pitt at midnight at LaHaye. So always exciting when Liberty hosts a midnight game. They've been doing pretty well in those so far this season. Honorable mentions, we have Ohio taking on Niagara. Always interesting when Niagara heads to Bird. Ohio looking to stay hot 
and get revenge for Niagara's sweep earlier in the year. Niagara's AAU team will take on Tampa when they make the trip to Western New York as well. M2 action, we have UCLA taking on UC Berkeley. In M3, we have Hope taking on Michigan, a rematch of the 2023 ACHA M3 Finals. Thursday night, Dakota College at Botno takes on Jamestown in M2 action. AAU Friday night, Stony Brook taking on Farmingdale. Sunday, we have the Air Force Academy taking on the Colorado School of Mines. Saturday, Niagara's AAU D3 team. Sorry, let me restart that one. Saturday, in AAU action, Niagara County Community College takes on SUNY Brockport. And then we also have High Point taking on App State. An exciting weekend of college hockey leads us to the game of the week on Friday night. The Naval Academy will make a trip to West Point for the first time in years. Usually this game is played in Annapolis. We saw it a couple years ago when Herm went, when it was played in Jersey. Always an exciting one when Army and Navy get together. We will see West Point hosting, which is going to make for a great atmosphere. I know Navy is having a down year, but they're your ECHA team. Collins, what do you got this week? I'm in a really interesting spot point with Navy and Army. I'm from a Navy family. I grew up in Maryland as a Navy fan. I root for Navy every football game, every lacrosse game. I'm a Navy fan. When I play against them, I am not. Normally, I would take Navy. Having seen firsthand, they still have a very high power offense, high pace, physical, but most importantly, very skilled. But they have some issues at the goaltending position. And also my head coach coached at Army for the past couple years. I will still be pulling for Navy. Just, I mean, who doesn't love an upset? And we saw an upset last year when the cadets got the win in Annapolis in front of a packed crowd. Herm, you were there when they played the year prior, and I remember Army was knocking on the door to start that game, and Navy ended up pulling through. Who are you taking in this one? Yeah, everyone knows historically that I am a huge, huge advocate for the ECHA. I think that's been kind of the long-running thing on this podcast, is that I am the ECHA guy. And with that said, I'm absolutely rocking with Navy on this one. Don't don't destroy Fitzy and I's legacy like that, Mr. Oh, the top 20 teams separate. Ooh. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yes, you do. Fitzy, what do you got for us? Army, Navy, one of the longest rivalries in sports hitting the ice. What are you thinking? Like you said, it's always electric when these two teams meet any sport. What what better one than on the ice? I'm joining Herm. I'm, uh, I'm going with Navy. I think it'll be a really close game, but uh, I like Navy here. Well, it's a, it's a house divided because I'm going to rock with Army. I think they them having the opportunity to face off against Navy and home ice, I think the cadets will be out in full force on Friday night and, and give them a rowdy home ice advantage. I know Army has an NCAA team on campus, but it is not often that Army comes to town on skates. I think Navy is going to give them a heck of a game considering they know what they're up against after last year's loss. Again, Navy hasn't gotten off to the great, the greatest start in the ECHA this year. I think Army takes advantage of that. They're going to enjoy it in, in front of a home crowd on Friday night. So I'm rocking with the cadets. Everybody is six and five. So we should see a shakeup in the standings this week. We'll, we'll recap the game on next week's podcast. But question of the week I pose is we've seen the success of the Chicago Classic. We had the Beehive Showcase this week in Utah. Probably didn't talk enough about it on the podcast. Just so many games to cover. We've seen the Veterans Cup. The Savannah Classic, we got the battle at the beach this year. I'm posing the question, where would you add an ACHA or AAU 
in-season tournament slash showcase if you could. Herm, I'll throw it over to you because I think you've talked about this one for a while now. At some point, we will have, powered by the Hockey House, an ACHA or AAU tournament at the Utica University Nexus Center. It's going to happen. There's four rinks. I will find a way to make it happen. Hockey House Showcase would be electric in Utica. Collins, what do you got for us? This is an absolute pipe dream and will never happen and requires a whole lot of manual labor. The rink at Rockefeller Center, outdoor hockey in the heart of Midtown in New York City would be absolutely electric. I mean, they don't have board or proper boards. They don't have glass. They don't have nets. It would be so cool to see some college hockey in the heart of New York City. I would I would be all for that one. Fitzy, we, we got one in your backyard already with the Chicago Classic, but any anywhere you would have a uh, an ACHA or AAU showcase? Yeah, I figured the uh, the low-hanging fruit would be a, a Big Ten one, but I'll, I'll make it interesting. When you mentioned Binghamton as a uh, game of the week here, it got me thinking it'd be unreal if they could pull it off at the Visions Veterans Memorial Arena. Try saying that 10 times fast. Home of the, uh, the uh, Binghamton Bulldogs. Uh, I mean, I mean, the Bears, definitely a hard place to get to if you're like flying in. But I think there's plenty of teams that be able to bust right in there. Two other rinks that are like 10 minutes from uh, the big one there. So, yeah, I I think that'd be pretty cool and something a lot of those guys have never really experienced with that atmosphere since it's a AHL level rink. That'd be a great one. And and maybe hint at something down the road. I believe a Big Ten showcase is in the works. I believe there's people behind the scenes working on something. We'll leave it at that. But my idea, and I didn't even have it until we started this conversation, but now that I'm thinking, I loved having Nationals in Marlboro last year just because I think, say what you want about the rink, again, maybe not the best ice surface to play a national championship game on, proximity to Boston and the fact that New England is known for Division Three hockey. I think the best way to get people to see how good the ACHA is. It was, we get similar to Chicago. We get some of these top 10 ACHA M1 teams and we do a showcase in Marlboro, maybe have it align with a junior hockey tournament going on, but let's get these new England kids more exposed to the ACHA. Let's get URI there. One of the better teams, you know, one of new England's only ACHA M1 teams. You could do a men's tournament, you could do a women's tournament, but I would love to see some of this high quality ACHA M1 action get the spotlight in New England. That's all I have for today in terms of hockey news. Fitzy, I'll, I'll throw it over to you. Any, anything on your radar? Are you, you guys making the trip somewhere? Or are you at home this weekend? Uh, we're headed to Fayetteville, North Carolina. They call it Vietnam. Not much not much going on there. I want to give a shout out to uh, Selly Hockey Co. I bought a uh, Michigan Pond hockey hat for my brother. Surprised him. Uh, just sent it home to him. Michigan grad. He was stoked when it showed up. He, he hasn't taken it off since. So I'm really happy with that one. Well, I, I was uh, I was working overtime in and Sally Hockey HQ this week because of the Black Friday deals. They needed some extra manual labor to to help ship some hats. So I'm going to be shipping hats in my sleep tonight. So they got quite the operation going on there. So God, your brother enjoys that one. I actually I have one of those. I got I ended up with a mistake Michigan hat because the embroidery was a little off. Even my brother took it out of my closet and was getting use out of it during the game. Uh, Herm, anything on the radar for you? Shout out Sally Hockey because I keep seeing the Utica University hats all around the Nexus Center. This isn't an ad, guys. Come on, keep it together. No free ads on this pod, except for Sally No free Hockey. ads. Yeah, of course, of course. And if you would like to advertise, hit us up. 
thehockeyhousepod at gmail.com. More than happy to, to add some spots here heading into the holiday season. Am I picking up pucks this week? One, I am playing in another alumni tournament this weekend for Bridgeton Academy, which will be nice to go see those boys. Usually we're all at school, but this will be like our kind of our fifth year anniversary uh, after graduation, all getting back to Bridgeton together. So looking forward to that one. We get to catch up with some ACHA legends. I was just thinking about it since we were talking FCS football. I'm not sure if you guys saw, but Delaware is moving up to FBS. They will join Conference USA. Best team in Conference USA this year was Liberty. So Liberty and Delaware rivalry could be heating up. It's been heating up on the ice recently with Delaware getting a big upset over the Flames. So that's I always like that too when, when we get ACHA rivalries that go outside the ACHA and, and you know the schools are, are rivals in, in their conferences too. So that was uh, something I had my eye on. Makes me very sad considering we own Delaware in football and that's our main rival, the Battle of the Blue. So I don't know how they got the jump to FBS, but things are going to get a whole lot tougher between them. To any Delaware guys listening, we need to bring this matchup back to the ice. It hasn't happened in a couple of years, but this it needs it needs to happen. We're so close to each other. Why don't we play? And we're so, so close to the weekend. As always, hit us up with your highlights, your photos, at Hockey House Pod, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Send us an email, whatever you want. Get in contact. We always love talking hockey. And it should be a couple of weekends of exciting hockey leading into the holiday break. So enjoy the rest of the semester. We will see you next week. See you, boys. Yeah.